Welcome to Camp Podcast Special Edition. I am pianist Migo, and I serve as president of the Contemporary Art Music Project, or CAMP. CAMP is an organization that promotes innovative art music and collaborates with composers and performing artists. One of the many activities we do is our podcast series. Our hosts explore a wide range of topics from marginalized composers in music history to current collaborations. Tonight, I am your host, and I am delighted to have Cha Wen Ting, the founder and artistic director of Girls Who Conduct. Girls Who Conduct is an initiative created in 2020 to empower and encourage the upcoming generation of women, women identifying, and non-binary conductors by providing a program for training, mentorship, and camaraderies in order to foster diversity and inclusion in classical music. Hi, Chawen. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I would like to know how you started music and how you uh, choose this path and um, who influenced you and why you picked the music and who made you become a musician and all sorts of things. (laughs) Yes, of course. So I started playing piano when I was very little. As a lot of the Asian Chinese family, I was born and raised in Taiwan. My mom is a music lover. She didn't have like the official real music training, but she really loved music. She loves singing. And she learned to play piano a little bit from the daughter of a church priest when she was Mm. in high school. So when she had kids and um, she had me very at a very young age, I think she had me when she just turned 21. Um, so she had this goal of being the perfect mom. And part of being a perfect mom is to raise kids, like, you know, playing instruments, knowing a lot of things. So I was sent to a lot of different um, camps after school, um, do, did a lot of things. So my mom was teaching piano part-time when I was little. So I grew up listening to older kids, like having lessons and all that. And then she found that I had good ears, that I could point out what other kids played wrong because Mm -hmm. I've been listening to it so many times. So sometimes even if she didn't catch it, I would say that was wrong. That's the wrong notes, that's the wrong rhythm and all that. So she thought I could maybe um, try this out. So I went to a special um, music program from elementary school so since first grade I was in school from eight to five and we took a lessons and we had musicianship class we stand in choir um, we do side singing and um, dictation um, string orchestra all that in school so it's a public education you have to pay a little bit but uh, the government um, pays for your lessons that that was the most expensive part but uh, my mom always encouraged me to grow up being something else instead of professional musicians. She thought it's just for your education or for your well-being and your, um, you, can, you should explore other things other than just becoming a music teacher because I think back then um, 
they associate being a full-time professional musician as a music teacher because they don't see anyone having a career as a performer. Everyone getting the great degree from abroad just come home and teach little kids. <laughs> so, um, but I played. Um, I started playing in violin since um, I think it was seven, and I played in all kinds of youth orchestras. I love orchestras. I really love playing orchestra. I played in really bad ones and really bad,、uh, really good ones. <laughs> String orchestra, full orchestra, chamber orchestras.、Um, I would audition for different programs. And I, I just really love it.、Um, I love playing with others, and so I, I wasn't as exposed to being a soloist. And I also love、um, working with different conductors.、Um, so, so that's kind of I had it as my hobby. And I went to law school for my undergrad degree because、um, in Taiwan, like medical schools and law schools are part of the undergraduate education. And I thought I was going to be a lawyer, an attorney, or something else.、Oh. But during my junior year, I started having doubts. I was like, I'm not sure this is something that I really love.、Mm-hmm. Um, it was clear that was something that I was capable of doing, but I didn't enjoy it much. So I applied for a study abroad, like an exchange program, and I went to Netherlands during my senior year, and. I still had to be in law school for the program, so I went to the law school at Tilburg University. It's in South、um, Netherlands, very close to Belgium. And my roommates and all the people in my program were law students. But I saw such an openness from other people, like like in in Asia or in Taiwan. If you went to law school, the, like you think the only ways are to be a judge or to be an attorney, but、mm-hmm. My roommates in in Europe, they were like, "Oh, I want to work for an、um, NGO," and this person is passionate about、um, film filming. Like, it's a girl from Australia. She's like, "Oh, I yes, I'm going to law school. It's just good for my knowledge, but I love art and、uh, filming, so I'm also learning about that." And there are a lot of other people wanting to do very different things. So I felt encouraged. I said, "I thought maybe I could." Explore what I was really passionate about, and I got the scholarship from the Dutch government.、Um, so I was traveling a lot in Europe, and I went to Berlin to to visit another exchange student from Taiwan. That she、um, she was there, and I I got a five euro student rush tickets to see the Berlin Philharmonic. <laughs> and it, like、wow. they they sell they used to sell this. I don't know if they still do after pandemic, but. They used to start selling any tickets two hours before the show, so you have just、mm-hmm. to go there and queue in line. And they are very cheap with the student ID. And I sat on the choir bench, on the stage, right behind the timpanist, and they play <laughs> Symphony Fantastic. Oh, <laughs> and it was so loud. <laughs> I mean, I grew up as a violinist, so I know the tune, I know the piece, but I couldn't hear any of the melodies because of percussion. <laughs> <laughs> was so loud, and the the trom- the the brass section. I was like, I never knew it how it was like to sit at the back of the orchestra.、Mm-hmm. But then, because I was standing on stage with the musicians, I could watch the conductor. I forgot who the conductor was, but I just remember he was not good. And I had a very strong feeling that the orchestra was on autopilot. They mostly、mm-hmm. ignored the cues, but they had a, such a great time, and me, and I did too. It was like, oh, I was. 
part of it. And that was such an amazing and exciting moment. And when I walk out of the the Philharmonic Hall that night, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything else but, but a musician. And so, so I felt okay. It's a little late to be a violinist <laughs> to play in the orchestra since I haven't been like really learning my craft. And I've I've tried to conducting in high school. Um, so I conducted our high school choir and um, string orchestra. We will combine with the the boys. So I went to a girls' high school. And we only had string orchestra because all the wind players were in marching band. Um, this mm-hmm. the, it was the school policy. So we would combine with the boys' high school that's very close by to form a full orchestra. So I conducted quite a lot. We would do um, programs and play chamber music. So I thought I had some experience and um, maybe that's something that I am good. I could be good at or I can do. So I went back home, finished my study. I was um, studying part-time so I could work at school to earn some money um, to pay for uh, conducting lessons. They were so expensive. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And, but like, just by then, I, I didn't know much about um, music theory or um, anything. So I created a curriculum for myself. I just pulled the, um, the class offering from the conservatories nearby in Taipei. Um, so they were a, a few university and conservatory. So I just look at the courses that they are offering and thought what the conductor should know. So I will go in and audit history, um, theory, music, um, like forms, orchestration, instrumentation, conducting class. I just go, I just went in and talked to the teacher, say, hey, I'm from another university and I'm interested in knowing more about music. Do you mind if I sit in your class? Um, some teachers were really nice and I could take even take the exam just to help myself to study more and kind of motivate myself. Um, some were like, no, um, I don't feel comfortable. But that's kind of how I I basically created something. I gave myself two years and said, okay, I don't get anything in two years. It's, it's either too late or I wasn't talented enough to be a musician at such a late age. So I was already 24 i mean compared to a lot of people going through undergrad and conducting or people who are already doing great things we love prodigies <laughs> you see like 20 years something um conductor get a position here and there i was really late um so i just i just thought that i'm, I'm going to try no matter what so I went to I came to US for my first formal music education. I went to Barstow University for my master's in conducting. And my teacher back then at home encouraged me to come because it's a very small program, a very small um, school. So he was like his philosophy was I had to go to a small school to start and try to um he he told me my knowledge was like a Swiss cheese. It tastes good and looks good, but it has a lot of holes. So I need to <laughs> find ways to cover those holes or at first to identify the holes. So I'm not just using my intelligence and get ahead instead of really going to the basics and just really have a good foundation of my musicianship. And from there, I went to school after school and got a job as an work 
full time as a conductor. So it's kind of uh, a lot a nutshell of how I got to conducting. <laughs> yes, oh, I, you must have been so passionate about it. I mean, it's you know, like you knew that it was late a little bit, and you had to work and all that. And well, working. I have to say. I spent the first ten years in my study and the beginning of my career feeling that I was not good enough, that I was、mm. so behind. That I remember when I went to Eastman for my doctorate, and we had a、um, the graduate ensemble that that works as the lab orchestra, so students got scholarship to play for conductors.、Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And we did a Brahms symphony, and the principal tell us to say, "Oh, this one I've played it like five times because she had、mm-hmm. been going to prestigious music festivals." Just like, "Oh, I did it at Tanglewood and Aspen, and here、right. and there I played under famous conductors." And、yeah. I was like, "Okay, I'm a doctoral student, and I'm just doing it for the first time." That really、yeah. freaked me out.、Mm. Um, but just for anyone that's listening, um. I wish I wasn't freaking out that much, even、mm-hmm. though it was hard to control. But I wish, I wish I understood that everyone has their own path, and even for someone、mm-hmm. playing Brahms for five times already, I could still bring something fresh to her. Or my understanding, my comment on the podium would still be valid, as long as it's authentic. But I didn't know back then. I always、mm. questioned myself.、Uh, whenever something wrong, I was my first reaction was always, "Oh my god, I did something wrong. I was bad." Mm. Mm. I would beat myself up so much until, at a point, it was actually my colleague as Eastman. So like one one of the under one of the masters conductor was very nervous all the time. So after he conducted. He would ask us, "Was it okay? Chowan, was it okay? Did I did I do well? Um, did I pra- like I practiced so much? Was I okay?" And so there was one time that us DMA students were talking about him. Was so I was, I was a little bad. I was I was almost like making fun. So I asked my colleague Chong Ho Kim, and I said, "Hey, Chong Ho, did I do okay? Was was that okay? Um, uh, was I kind of my was my kind of clear?" And he looked at me. He's like, "Come on, Chowan." You pass that stage, you know you're good. You don't have to. You should not even think to worry about it. You pass、mm-hmm. that stage, and it was that I was a wake up call to me. And it's like, yes, I I pass that stage. I know what I can do. I know there's still areas for me to grow. Of course, as always, I think even after thirty or fifty years of conducting, there's still areas that I can get better with.、Mm-hmm. But But I should be okay with myself.、Um, but it was it was so long after I started. Sorry, I know it's a little no, away no, from it's, it's, when、yeah. you're you're no, asking. Yeah, no, this is great because you know I think that's that's what you do um, um, after all your experience and、um, going through this vulnerability and you know.、Um, Doubt about yourself and all that.、Uh, that now you can mentor young conductors、um, through girls who conduct, and I, I it really looked like、uh, I I listened to your podcast
the other day, and I I was like, wow, this is really great. I mean, all this very practical tips and so helpful. Um, and I I'm not a conductor, but I was listening to it, and I was like, wow, this is, this helps me too. <laughs> so thank um, you so much. Yeah, I, it's it's really great initiative, really. And uh, how did you start, uh, uh, girls who conducted? What made you really come up with this organization? So we know that there are not a lot of women conductors for a while, and it's it's about probably about ten years ago when Mary Asab um, got the position with Baltimore Symphony when people started mm-hmm. really talking about diversity right. on the podium. Before we just knew about it, but we avoid mm-hmm. talking about it, and very soon after there were a few. Conducting programs specifically for women conductors that came up, and I think most people, including myself, were very、um, skeptical. As like, okay, do we really need that? Is that the solution to it?、Um, is that、mm-hmm. more stigma or more labeling? So they are now workshops only for women, and only women、mm-hmm. can come. And a lot of people back then also felt it's okay. Those women. We're not good to be competing、mm. with men. That's why you have to separate them, kind of to protect them. But it it only means that they were not good.、Um, I was very skeptical, but I had some support for、um, for traveling and going to workshops. So I went to a, a few of them just to check them out to see if they were one any different from other conducting workshops that I've been to, or two if if there is really anything special about this. Gender-specific mentorship or education. So, Alice Farham in UK was one of the first people who started this kind of program, helping、um, women conductors. And I went to the workshop that she she organized. It's hard to believe she had organized. She had organized on、um, three different. She called them phase two, meaning so for experienced conductors, it's not baby conducting, but very specific. So they were、um, choral conducting, ballet conducting, and opera conducting. And for the ballet and opera conducting workshop, they partner with the Royal、um, Opera House, and they use the people and staff from the young artist program. So you have singers from the young artist program who were who were awesome. The pianists from them, and back then there were only twenty four people who applied. Like now, like any single、um, job or workshops, you easily had a hundred. Like when I remember when I went to the Heidink masterclass, the two years before, there were over three hundred people applying for that workshop, and for this one, there were only twenty four. So I got <laughs> in very easily, <laughs> in a sense. But I was like really curious, and、um, the teacher who taught the opera conducting workshop was Julia Jones, and she is she is. Very awesome. She had she had a lot of practical things to say, and I think she came as a lot of harsh for some of the participants who were less experienced or who were just、mm. kind of beginning. Because at the very beginning, the first time she met us, she wanted us to start conducting right away. She said, "When、mm. you are guest conducting at any opera house, it, it only matters how good your musicianship and how prepared you are,、mm-hmm. and your look, and that that's." That's something else to maybe that would get you to the podium. But once you are working with the musicians, that's the most important thing.
They don't care if you had a bad day. They don't care if you had traffic. They don't care if you had had jet lag. The musicians don't care. They want you to be able to do your job very, very well. And if you don't in the first five minutes, you are screwed. Like basically, you're fired.、Um, even not contract wise, but they won't trust you anymore. And I think that was a little. That was considered a little harsh for some of the other conductors. They were like, "Oh my God, we're just here to learn, and why are you putting us under such a stress and all that?" But anyways, that was that's that was a really um special experience, and no one had talked to me like that because in my education, I had I only had oh no, I had one um woman teacher at beginning in Taiwan, but. But she was very business-like. She taught students as as if running a business. <laughs>、mm-hmm. But all my important and major mentors were men. They were all very supportive, but they are things that they don't understand because of their experience. They are all white men,、um, the older generation white men. I learned so much from them,、um, and then from. My education. They always just told me I just need to be the best conductor, and then I'll win the job, which is not always true. Or they can't. They don't understand how to deal with some negative feelings from a certain、um, ensemble members. For example, like we got that a lot. Is that okay? You're just a little girl here conducting us, telling us what to do. <clears throat> what? Who made you think you can tell us? Like I had conducted a concert. With a professional orchestra, when the principal horn just wouldn't take my tempo at all, so the piece started with a horn solo. I gave a tempo, he played whatever he wanted, ignored me the entire time. I insisted on my tempo, and he did whatever he wanted.、Um, but my teacher couldn't really help me in this kind of situations. And it was you know, with Julia Jones. It was the first time that was a little, but she didn't want to go. She she didn't want to talk about the gender issue, and I think that's. That's true for quite a few established conductors. They don't want to be labeled or associated、mm-hmm. with their good as a woman, which I understood.、Um, and then I had, I had a coffee chat with、um, Alice Farham, the founder, and I asked her why she she thought this would be a great idea to have a program just for women. And she ha- also has a phase one for girls. They start at age eighteen, and. It's usually a weekend in a lot of different cities in the UK. So they get the the girls to do together and teach them basic skills and all that. And she she told me she was an she was a church organist, so she had to lead choirs at times. But she never thought she, that she would be a conductor until much much later. And because she didn't think that was possible, or she didn't, she thought it was, oh, I'm just doing it.、Um, when the conductor is not here, it's not my true,、um, where my true value is, or or anything. So she wanted to be the person who told young girls this is possible. If you look further,、um, you see conductors all the time. This is something for you too. It's not something just for other people or for the boys or for women. And that got me thinking because that was not my experience. I always knew I wanted to be a conductor since very little.、Um, I knew if I want to be a musician, I want to be a conductor. I enjoyed it. It was a matter for me if I wanted to be a musician or not, or a, an attorney, or <laughs> a politician, or something else.、Um, so I did have that experience, and 
I met Corinne at Canelagas, who is now also very famous at Caprio Festival. She said the same thing. She was playing um, violin and she went to the Kalyan Academy until the conductor told her, hey, you had something special. You could be a good conductor. And before that, she didn't have any desire to be a conductor. So I started to notice this is a common thing for young girls or um, established, like really, really good instrumentalist girl musicians. But I didn't know how to help them because I didn't have mm. that experience. I always knew I just want to conduct. So I had that thought kind of seated in me, but I didn't know what I could do. I just thought, okay, I'm going to think about that. When pandemic hit, everybody was suddenly out of jobs. And we thought at first it was two weeks and then two months. And then you had no idea how long it was going to last. <laughs> and all my conductor friends lost jobs. And so the only thing that we had to switch to was to was the online program. So you see a lot of conductors starting doing podcasting or interviews, um, YouTube. Um, we started learning editing skills, <laughs> <laughs> synchronizing every single part. And I didn't think I would bring much value or I would impact the music community much by promoting another past concert. Um, mm-hmm. Or there are people with much better um, editing skills than me or having much better things to say. So I thought, oh, this is time to help some other girls. And what can we do? So I, there were some connector friends who had expressed um, interest in helping me. I just reached out. There were about uh, 20 of them. And um, the majority say, okay, I'm interested in helping along the line. But um, right now, it's not a good time, and I, which I understood pandemic just hit and there were five other women they were very passionate to say yes let's do it now so we got together and really planned okay what can we do uh, what is a good thing that is different from what's currently in the market now and that's special so we we decided to go to a younger um, age group so we started with high school and college women um, from age 16 to, so basically um, junior or sophomore in high school until about junior in college. And we felt that was the time, if they were interested in conducting, that we can really spread some seats or encourage them to s- consider this because it's about when you're making decisions and exploring your identity. And we started um, a mentorship program. It's a six-week um, online courses. And we taught them a lot of skills that we wish we had given <laughs> we had been given um, when we were starting so we um, explored um, basic conducting we grouped them into their experience because you know like if you had a drum major girl it's very different from someone who only played an instrument or or sent in choir had no experience so we grouped them into um, um, different groups we did basic conducting we did score study programming um, rehearsal techniques and then we also we really went into the practical parts about resume, how you apply for things, how you present yourself, because that has become such an important thing. And we also had more intimate discussions in a sense, like talking about dress or like if you have curvy figure or very thin figure, how do you dress or like where to find clothes, what to wear, um, if you have jewelry or not, if you have earrings or not those things you feel sometimes embarrassed to ask 
But since conducting is such a profession that we work on perception, it's it's more about how people see you than what you think you are give you are showing. It's a tricky thing, and the society still unfortunately view women very differently from men, especially at leadership roles. We have all this、um, politician studies or business women studies、um, helping us too, but we know like when you when you stand there, the same words said by a male conductor is totally will be interpreted very differently from a woman.、Um, so we talked about that.、Um, from there, we had like it was it was such a well received program. I think a lot of girls never had this opportunity. We also had really supportive teachers. Um, kind of identifying great、um, students or spreading the words for us, and、um, from there we expanded to having.、Uh, now we have three regular programs. We still keep this、um, first program. We now call them the high school and college mentorship program, and then we added one that is、um, early career.、Um, so that is more a one-on-one mentorship.、Mm-hmm. So. People who are currently in in grad school, maybe or just graduate in grad、mm-hmm. school, or have been working for a little、um, while, wanted to see what's going on、um, as next steps. So we pair them with women in the profession,、um, including old genres. So we always do old genres. So they are our mentors are band, wind wind band conducting,、um, musical theater conductors.、Um, Choir member, choir directors of opera and orchestra. We always have every part, and then we get together. So they they have mentorship with their mentors. They can ask questions, design a study plan, and then we have a joint fellowship with the Georgia Symphony here near Atlanta. So we have six fellows. They coming for three weekends residency, and during the year we have Zoom meetings.、Um, They are actually coming by the at the time when we are recording. They are coming in for their last residency in in May, late May.、Um, and Georgia Symphony just expressed interest in renewing this、um, for the coming years. So it's it's really exciting, and we are just like continuing to see how we can on one side make this really sustainable,、um, because after pandemics getting better <laughs> in a sense,、um, mm-hmm. people start to get busy. Um, so、right. we are not, yeah. So like doing Zoom works,、um, present some challenge in scheduling,、mm-hmm. um, and also we want to see the conductors because it's 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 a little sad to only talk about conducting on the screen,、um, and then on the one other side is like how we can continue expanding, and we had a hope to go down to middle um to middle school ages, um to. Maybe develop a curriculum so、um, teachers can incorporate that into their、um, their teaching. Just kind of, to, we just want to spread the seeds for the younger girls, and to really help the professional women. Because a lot of people will say, "Okay, I want to hire a woman." There are no good ones, but we say, "No, no, we are preparing a very strong pool of women. We help them in any way we can." By networking them with professional women, by helping them with the soft skills、um, or like professional skills, so we are like on on that end, we're preparing a great pool of women candidates and non-binary candidates, and but spreading seed at the much younger age. That's kind of what I'm hoping that we will grow into in ten years. I don't know, if, I don't know if you, we could, but、um, that's kind of where I see it is going. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's kind of another um, education. Uh, I mean, it's outside of this university um, education, but it's it's still. I mean, it's really such an important part. Uh, I, I think for educating um, younger generation, and it's. I think it's so important to have uh, that kind of mentorship because, you know, I always also felt that I need that. And I, um, but you, you also um, are the director of um, Girls Who Conduct. And I always felt that I need to see someone who's like me running an organization. And it always, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it um, um, it's, it helps me still. I think, too. So it's um, so it's really nice. I I get so excited to meet someone <laughs> who's you know who's woman who's Asian and uh, who's you know has uh, organization uh, that they manage and run. So yeah, I think it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's also really exciting that it's it somehow I didn't even think about that, but one of the benefits of running Girls Who Conduct is I got to connect with some really awesome people like you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like they found out first about the organization, and um, I had became friends with some people that right. I would, I would have never met, right? Or knowing someone doing equally, if not more awesome works um like working really hard in their field or in their community but as i said um i actually modeled girls who conduct um um girls who code that's where our name came uh, from um, i see they are yeah they're the steam program because i um i did a lot of research on gender um study for both composer and um, conductors and um, that was the program that's been really successful but they go Mm -hmm. they go they went much much younger and they have curriculum that anyone can run like clubs and that and I felt maybe conducting is a little more specific as opposed to just like a general um, steam like um, science ideas Um, Mm -hmm. so we kind of modified their program but that's where my idea was from Um, I see yeah it was girls who code I see wow yeah that's it's really cool but um it uh seems really uh um really practical what what you were teaching and you talked about this uh, even like concert um closing how 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 conductors can dress and also i learned from your podcast about all this you know how how you can rehearse how you dealt with um ensemble members um and how you can keep yourself sane <laughs> right but that's that's I'm, I'm sure that you don't really get that uh from like from schooling from you know usually from uh courses um but that's what you Need uh, uh, when you are at work, actually. Yeah, so the podcast is a separate thing that I've been doing um, on my own, but of course, it has this cross conduct um, association to it. And the goal for the podcast is to cover everything that is was not covered by our regular programs. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
yes, as you say, they, they are things that I learned much later in my professional life, mm-hmm. paying really hard lessons, right. <laughs> aka right. like losing a renewal contract or <laughs> being disliked by oh. certain orchestra members. And then I learned what I, what I did wrong. But because mm. I didn't have anyone to ask. Right. Or, and then I remember those days when I when I used to go to a lot of conducting workshops, I would be the only or one of the very few women. And it was so hard to network with the other participants. Like, like I felt uh, there was one time that I, that's really memorable. I still remember exactly what happened. So it's a very prestige um, festival. And, but there were quite a few women. They were four. I think like they, we were, yeah, there were four of us, but we didn't really talk to each other. And then I remember the guys were there talking about um, Aspen. So one guy asked the other one, say, hey, um, so like they, they all, I think they all went to Aspen at some point. And one guy said, oh, you know, like so-and-so asked me how to get contact, but now he is getting much better gigs than I did. And the other one said, yes, I felt the same once I went to Aspen and I was like really getting all the gigs, but um, I would still want to go up and more. So I approached them. I just kind of get closer and casually and say, hey, um, were you talking about um, summer festivals? Did you all go, go to Aspen? And then they ex- they immediately closed that conversation. They said, oh, yeah, mm. there's nothing important. Yeah, we just were talking about summer plan. What are you doing this summer? It's like they didn't want to share that information mm. with me. So obviously, and that's how I felt in a lot of places that they don't take you seriously, even if you're a colleague or even if mm. you prove yourself that you can conduct, you're a good conductor, they still don't take you seriously. They just want to flirt with you or ignore you. <laughs> completely (laughs) and and but this this profession this business is so much on the exchange of information right like I don't have a group of comrades if I can choose that word to even talk about say negotiation salary Mm -hmm. what are you getting what what you're getting is is the offer lowballing you or is that Mm-hmm. a good decent low offer mm-hmm. you don't know it until you talk to people right like our experience negotiating some difficult um conversation with your colleagues when you when you had that for the first time you're like oh i've never dealt with that is that something normal mm-hmm. or i remember when i was at dallas and we had this um um so for the Dallas Hearts Institute for Women Conductors, there was there was one discussion that we had, and one of the younger fellows asked, a, "Hey, she was at a festival, some um, conducting workshop, and the other participant kept calling her sweetheart or honey, and oh. she felt so offended. She's like, I'm not your sweetheart. I'm a colleague. There's like, oh, honey, don't worry about that. Like they brush you off or just don't take you." seriously and it takes it takes experience and also a certain mental status to know that you're worth more you you value more Mm -hmm. respect but a lot of times when you're just starting out you're you felt oh it's because i'm not good yet 
or it's because I'm so young, so people、mm-hmm. can not respect me. Um, then we take it for granted, or we don't we don't think there's anything wrong about it. Um. So that's what I've been trying to do with my podcast. I wanted people to see there are many, many different ways to be successful as a conductor, and your or in someone's definition, you can be a great teacher, and you love enjoying making an impact on the young musicians, or you can be guest conducting very famous ensembles, orchestras, opera houses. And do a different levels of work, but it doesn't. It doesn't mean that you don't have your value, and then it doesn't mean that's the only way that we are going after. It doesn't mean that we all should go to Aspen. I saw it on another conductor's <laughs> podcast. It's one of their highlights. They say、um, there, there was a quote.、Um, someone said, "We all say that there are many pathways to the podium, but there is only one successful way." You have to go to prestige music schools, go to Aspen, and then you will have a career. If you don't have that, you won't be successful. I was like, "Oh my God, why? Why?、Um, of course, you can still be successful if you don't go to Aspen or if you don't go to the top music schools. They are some really great conductors. Don't even have a conducting degree. Come on, right, <laughs> right." But they are great musicians. They are great、um, people. People like they know how to work with people, how to respect the ensemble, how to get because we don't we don't make sounds. We are there to help the musicians make the most beautiful sound they can. And it has nothing to do with degrees or <laughs> who you study with, how many competitions you won. Competition is. It's a little pretentious because I have to impress in ten minutes. Um, but that that's kind of we really what we are hoping at Girls Who Conduct. We want to be as diverse and celebrate the differences between every person. Even if you come to this profession late, or you started very early, it doesn't matter. You can. We all are continuing to grow and. To celebrate and to help the younger generation is what I'm hoping. I, I think that's what my people all agree. I hope that I think that everybody donates so much of their time and energy for our work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about、uh, good musicianship and leadership, right? Like good、mm-hmm. leadership, good people skill to. Um, um, To be a good conductor, I think it's not like、mm-hmm. you said. It's not about this. Oh yeah, I went so and so and so. Um, but and also it's um, um, kind of it's important to pave this new path and new connection. You know, there are other things than Aspen,、mm-hmm. <laughs> for example. So yeah, great. Do you have any?、Um, I mean, I'm sure you have many difficulties running this organization. Any organization, of course, the um, um, the director and leader um, has uh, um, challenging issues and difficulties. And anything that you want to share your your wisdom <laughs> running this organization. Um. I've learned so much running this organization. I have to say, it's such a 
it's such a great journey for myself in terms of learning what leadership means to me. Um, because I, I never had to work so closely with a group of women, um, deciding <laughs> a lot of things, and um, I I think one difficulty right now is because everybody is starting to get busy scheduling and then um, kind of keeping everybody motivated and devoted into the project is difficult. It's like you you can't expect everyone to. Place girls' conduct at the same priority, mm-hmm. given their busy lives and schedule, and so continuing to find ways to not just like it's not to motivate people, but to collaborate with people. And so now I see my role as helping people to be the best they want to be. So if they want to be less involved with girls who can that, which is totally okay if they still intend to be a member. So like kind of continuing to find the best place for everyone that coming to you, because we、mm-hmm. have new people that、um, just knew about us,、um, wanting to get involved. How do we? Where do we put them? Where? What is the healthy structure?、Um, that has been the continuous challenge. Um, it's not that like really difficult, but it's kind of really challenging my skill as well. How do I talk to people? How do I conduct difficult conversation? Sometimes I have to、um, when things are not going as smoothly, and it's hard because they we are all mostly volunteers. Most of us are not paid for our works,、um, so when people are genuinely wanting to support, how do you defer them to the best? Place to use their time and energy for your organization and also for them.、Um, mm. I am not very good at talking to people in that sense, so it's been it's been a such an incredible journey for me. And I wanted to give a shout out to my team, but also、um, conductor Jennifer Chen. If you haven't heard about her, she started doing leadership.、Um, Things with conductor for about a year now, and so we would talk, and she would share with me what she learned in the business world and all that, and、um, how we can apply some of the case studies into what we're doing. Even though what we do here, nonprofit, is very small compared to the scale of a lot of big businesses,、mm-hmm. but learning those skills had been really helpful, not just for. Um, for running girls who can die, but also I found it's really helpful on on the podium too. So、yeah. now when I had to rehearse, I can address things from a different angle, which I wouldn't have noticed before.、Mm. Um, so that's kind of one continuous challenge, but it's it's great challenge because that makes people want to help and people want to get involved.、Um, so I'm very grateful for that. Great, yeah. Well, I think it's about time to wrap up, and we love to wrap up with music. <laughs> so、yes. I think we'll listen to Jennifer Jolie's "You Are Not Alone." And、um, do you have any、uh, background history, your personal history with the、uh, music? Yes. So Jennifer Jolie is a very dear friend, and if、mm-hmm. you haven't. Heard his her music. She's awesome. 
She is, yes. <laughs> she is she's a badass. And <laughs> this <laughs> this piece was a collaboration with the poet um Scott Woods. Um that they collaborated um on having the instrumental list also say words and sing. And uh, we it's inspired from the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared that when the Me Too movement came down after about two, three years, that we'll just forget about it because that's what happened with a lot of things. But I am really, I feel very blessed that the pandemic put everything on a hold and for a lot of people to reflect reflect on how we've been conducting our business like in a classical world a lot of the diversity initiative wouldn't have been successful if not for pandemic otherwise we would just continue running our old things because it it worked um so for on that front i'm very grateful for everybody to stop and rethink and see how we have to reach the audience the community differently now in this general in in this time but um so we've used jennifer jolly's composition for our score study practice in the mentorship program and she's a personal friend and i so felt the lyrics and the music of this particular piece you're not alone speaks for a lot of shared and common experience for minority, underrepresented conductors, composers, or even just anyone in general, how you had to stand up for yourself and know that you're not alone. That's what we are hearing a lot at Girls With Us. Like when someone asks a question and other people say, would put in a chat, oh my God, I had that question too. I didn't know I could ask that. Or things like, oh, I had that. I didn't know that that's something that someone else also experienced. But we want to find a community for ourselves and for many, many more people. And I'm so grateful for you to give me this opportunity to share <laughs> our <laughs> stories and um, Jolly's music with your audience. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so we'll listen to Jennifer Jolie. You are not alone.
a minefield, a minefield never, never, never sleeps. 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 Thank you, everybody, for listening. Support us by donating. You can go to our website, www.contemporaryartmusicproject.org, and simply click the Donate button. Help us continue our podcast, festival, and other exciting projects. I will see you next time with more exciting guests and music.